Hello, UDAC church family. I hope you'll bear with me today because, frankly, I've never preached to a video camera in an empty auditorium. And really, I find it a little bit scary and a little bit stressful. But that kind of goes around today, doesn't it? See, this COVID-19 thing, it's, it's got us shaken up. And, and, and I know if you're anything like me, you've got some un, unknown and some worry and some uncertainty in life, and, and we don't handle unknown well. At least I don't. So we've got lots of questions today, and, and maybe you have the same ones. Maybe there's questions about, well, what about my job? What happens with that? If the economy slows down, and, or maybe you can't go to work, and you've just been told, you know, we work in retail, and, and you can't go to work anymore. And so what happens? What does the future look like? Or if you're working now, what happens in two months' time if things haven't changed? Well, what about inflation and 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 a recession possibly coming or, or, or coming? What about our retirement savings and the stock market taking a nosedive? What about health risk? Is it safe to go out? Can, can I go out and buy my groceries or do my shopping? Should I wear gloves and a mask? But maybe I can't find gloves and a mask. Or if, or if I have them, maybe I should actually give them to the hospital or to doctors or nurses for, for, for them to be able to use. What if I can't find the groceries we need? What if I can't find flour or pasta? And if I do find it, should I buy as much as I possibly can? Or should I listen to the government and not hoard as much and, and try and just buy for a couple of weeks at a time? There's lots of uncertainty and, and lots of things to be afraid of right now, it seems. And we've been working through the book of John for, for a couple of months now. And in John chapter 16, right at the very end, Jesus says something really really interesting and and i'd like to read it to you this is the final verse in in chapter 16 of john and jesus says this i have told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world you will have trouble but take heart i have overcome the world As we start looking at this today, I'd like us to, to unpack, we're going to be looking in chapter 17 of John, but I'd like us to unpack chapter 17 of John, looking at it through that lens, right at the very beginning. That Jesus is speaking to us, and he's telling us to take heart. To take heart through this, right at the very beginning. That God knows we'll go through hard times. That there'll be times of uncertainty and times of stress, and it, it might be right now and it might be in the future for us. See, Jesus is speaking this, and he knows what's coming. Very, very shortly is the crucifixion is coming. And, and he knows that his disciples, his followers, those that he's speaking to at this time as we're reading this, that they're going to go into hiding, that they're going to be fearful, that they're going to be uncertain, they won't know what's going on or where God is or why he's allowing these things to happen. And yet, God leads John to write these very words that we're going to look at today. And these are words of assurance. And, and Jesus speaks them. And then in chapter 17, he says these words of assurance. And in chapter 17, he prays. And that's what we're going to read. And that's what we're going to explore together today. These, these words are written for us today, right now, as much as Jesus prayed it for his disciples 2,000 years ago. And so with that, let's read John chapter 17. We're going to read the whole thing together. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you, 
For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now, this is eternal life. That they may know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I revealed you to these to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me for they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. The name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None have been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. I'm coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For, I, for them I sanctify myself, that they, may, they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, all, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This Jesus' prayer for his disciples and for his followers. But right at the very start of this, we see something really, really interesting. See, in, in verses 1 through 5, Jesus prays for his own concerns. And he prays for glory, both for that of the Father and, and Jesus' glory. There being like the main ideas here. In, in fact, the word glory occurs five times in the first five verses. But in verse 4, something really interesting happens. And Jesus prays this. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Notice that Jesus doesn't say that he will bring God glory or that he is going to be completing the work that God had called him to do, but instead that he's already done so. Now, that's interesting because this is before the crucifixion. 
Jesus prays this prayer before the crucifixion. He prays this prayer before his resurrection. We often associate Jesus' work on earth with with the cross and his work on the cross and the resurrection. And, And while those things are very, very true, Jesus' work was far more than that. Jesus' work was, as Paul explains it in 2 Corinthians 5.18, to reconcile us to God. He did this through not only dying a substitutionary death for us on the cross, for paying the price for our sins on the cross, not only by rising again, demonstrating his victory over death, but by revealing God to us, by demonstrating who God is and what God's character is like to us. Remember, weeks ago, we were in John chapter 1. And in John chapter 1, verse 14, it says this, speaking of Jesus. And it says, the word, Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And John chapter 1, 18 No one has seen the Father, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. See, Jesus came and and his whole purpose was not just the cross, but to reveal the glory of God to us. And he comes from the Father full of grace and truth. And and then it says, we have, have seen God through Jesus. See, Jesus came to earth to make the Father known. And when he prays here in John chapter 17 that he's already completed the work that the Father had sent him to do, he is recognizing that his mission is to reveal God's glory to humanity. And then Jesus goes and he he makes his followers participatory members of that mission. In John chapter 17, verse 22, this is in his prayer, and he prays this for his followers. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I have given them, I've given my followers the glory that you gave me. And then he, and and, and he prays this prayer for them, inviting them into, to be participants in this, this mission of demonstrating the glory of God. That's really interesting because Jesus is praying, knowing that he's going to the cross, knowing that there's going to be uncertainty and fear and and, and his disciples will be not sure what to do and what is going on. And he prays this prayer of saying, what I'm inviting them into is to demonstrate your glory, Father. He doesn't pray necessarily that they'd they'd be, well, he prays that they'd be safe, but he doesn't pray that they'd feel safe. He doesn't pray that they would understand what's going on. Instead, he says that they would reveal your glory, God. And I think as we go through the rest of this passage, as we we look at and unpack a little bit this prayer, that I'd like us to look at it from that perspective. That in the middle of uncertainty, in the middle of, of fearful times and not knowing what is going on, to ask ourselves, how do we reveal the glory of God to the world around us? How, do we, how are we participants in Jesus' mission to show the Father's glory to the world? And there's three things I'd like us to see in this passage as we take a look at it. 
as Jesus prays for his followers. Remember, he knows he's going to the cross. He knows that they're going to face uncertainty and fear. And he knows that he is going to be leaving them soon. His physical presence will be departing from them. And so the first thing I'd like us to notice is in verse 17. And he asks God to sanctify them. It says this, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. In theological terms, there are two main ways in which we, we become righteous, in which we become, we become better, and, and, and our character becomes formed to be more like God's and less like our sinful natures. The first one is, is through the process of justification. Justification is a, like a positional righteousness. It's something that God gives us by no work of our own. God justifies us. He puts us into a place and says, because of what Jesus has done on the cross, you are now righteous. You are now good. There's a second term, though, that we talk about. And we don't talk about it that often, but, but Jesus prays it here. And the term is sanctification. And sanctification is a little bit different. Sanctification is something that happens in us rather than something that happens to us. Sanctification is the process of becoming righteous. So justify, justification makes us righteous. We might actually not be behaving righteously, but God sees us as righteous. But sanctification is the process whereby which God works in our lives and makes us actually righteous. So our behavior changes. We move from sinful behavior to holy or, or godly or behavior that reflects the character of God. And in here, Jesus is praying that God would sanctify his followers. And he says, by the truth. And then he says, and God's word, your word is truth. What he's praying is that as his followers listen to what Jesus has to say, as they understand and read and understand what scripture the Bible has to say, that it would become transformative in their lives, that it would sanctify them, that engaging with what the Bible has to say and trying to understand it and trying to apply it to their lives and, and see who God is and what his character looks like and asking themselves, what does that do for me? How does that affect me? How does that impact me? That it would change them. That it would challenge them to become more righteous, to reflect God's character more. Now here's the thing. When I'm stressed out, when I'm busy, when I'm worried about, about what's going to happen tomorrow or, or what, what, what's going on or, or what groceries can I get today, I, I do less and less of studying God's Word. I spend less and less time actually reading the Bible, actually spending the time and unpacking it because my head is so full of all of my concerns that I forget to be concerned about what God wants, what matters to God and who He is. I spend less time studying God's word. And Jesus knew that his followers needed to stay grounded in scripture. He knew that they needed this to be working in, in God to be working in their lives through his word so that they would reflect his character more and more. And so he prays, he says, Father, would you sanctify them through your truth? And you, your truth is, is revealed in your word. Jesus not prays not only for sanctification in here, but he, but he prays for a transformative work of God in our lives. 
And so today, in the middle of this time, in the middle of uncertainty and fear and not knowing what's going on, Jesus' first challenge to us is this. Spend time in his word. Spend time reading the Bible. Spend time asking the question, God, what is it you would reveal to me? God, what is it about your character that's unique here? God, what is it that you would want me to change in how my behavior is or my words or my thoughts or anything in my life? God, I invite you to speak into my life and to change me through your word. Jesus not only prays for sanctification, though. He also prays for unity for believers. Let's read here verses 21 through 23. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. This unity here that Jesus prays for is to be a reflection of the unity that he has with his Father. And we sometimes have this idea of, of serene Jesus, of, of Jesus not needing anything and, and him just kind of floating through life and making the right decisions and, and healing and, and speaking great words of wisdom and, and spiritual truth. And, and that isn't true. See, Jesus' life was characterized by prayer. He prayed by himself. He prayed with his disciples. He spent time, significant time, teaching them how to pray and, and saying, don't pray this way, but pray rather this way. He spent time in communion, in relationship with his heavenly Father. And it seems that Jesus needed this. When Jesus got stressed out or worried, and, and when Jesus gets to the point of, of maybe being afraid, right before he goes to the cross, he spends time praying. And he wasn't strong in himself. He was strong in his relationship with his Father. And in the same way, Jesus is calling us to be in community. He's praying for us. He's praying that our community, the relationships that we have with other believers, would be reflections of the relationship that he has with his heavenly Father. Following Jesus is not something that we do on our own but rather something that we do with others. And particularly when things get hard, we need others. When we get scared or worried or uncertain, we are called to live life together. And at times like this, it's absolutely critical that we stay connected, which is challenging. It's, it's, it's a difficult thing because we can't go over for dinner and we can't have people over to our house or go to the park or, or, or any of those things at this time. But Jesus models a way through his life of what it looks like for him to stay connected with his father. And he spends time talking with him. And that is something that we can do. And that is something that in, in through how we communicate, how whether we talk on the phone or, or send emails or text or, or do video chats with, with people that we know, fellow believers, that we can reflect this unity of Jesus and the Father being in relationship. In the same way, our lives can be in unity together. 
to talk to one another, to pray for one another, to encourage one another. And the final thing that I would like us to notice in this prayer is that Jesus prays for his followers to be protected. In verse 11 and 12 here, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None have been lost except for the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. And verse 15, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Now, I don't think that Jesus is actually praying in here that his disciples would be physically safe. And I can say that with some level of certainty because I know that the people that he prayed for, the particular group that he prayed for, his disciples, most of them were martyred for their faith. Most of them were killed because of what they believed. But I think what Jesus is praying for here and what in his prayer he's assuring us of is that his followers are eternally secure. That no matter what happens, we will remain in relationship with God because God the Father will protect that relationship. This is why Paul can write in Romans chapter 8, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, or any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Church, this, this isn't an easy time. And it's natural to be fearful or uncertain or worried. But Jesus knew that his people were going to face times of uncertainty and hard times and, and worry. And in this prayer, we find how to deal with times like this. We live for God's glory by sanctifying ourselves through his word, by reminding ourselves of, of who God is and what he says and who he calls us to be, and then striving to become that and asking him to be active and working in our lives to change us into that. And we become sanctified. We become more like Jesus in that. And he also says for us to stay connected with others with other Jesus followers, with other Christ followers, by encouraging one another, by, by praying together, maybe by serving in, in, in whatever way we can right now, in whatever method we need to, to, to maintain that connection at this time. Church, don't try and do this on your own. Don't try walking this out on your own. Connect. And if you're not connected and you're not sure how to, Call the church. Send an email to one of the pastors. They would be happy to connect you in with a group of other, other Christians, other Christ followers, so that you could be part, partnering and, and, and encouraging one another. And also by remembering that we are secure in our relationship with God. That we're secure in it. No matter what happens, no matter what happens in the world around us or what happens to you or I, no matter the difficulties or the struggles or the pain or the fear or the loss that we face, we are eternally secure in Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. 
And Jesus, thank you for praying this particular prayer and these truths 2,000 years ago. Thank you for continuing to, these things continue to be true today as they were then. And that, that we can have peace, that we can be secure, and that we can reflect your glory, Father, through you working in our lives and, and making us more like you, through, through how we connect with one another and through just trusting that we are secure in you. And God, whatever's going on, we invite you into the middle of that today. God, may you bless us, may you keep us, may you walk with us, may we know your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.